0: Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis 6, 1 through 4. I want to talk to you. When does God leave a man? When does God leave a man? Woo! Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair. And I do not believe that those were representatives of angelic beings. Angelic beings do not have the power to procreate. Until Jesus, says, you'll not be, they'll be like angels, they will not be given in marriage. And so we have to understand they don't have the power to procreate. God created them by the words of his mouth he created as many as he wanted and that's how many they are they do not procreate i don't know what why people would tell them. let's move on and took them wives of all which they chose next verse and the lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh and yet his days shall be an 120 years next verse And there were giants in the earth in those days doesn't say they were born of those women Didn't even doesn't even insinuate. They were born of women. It just says there were giants in the land That's it And it says and also after that there were the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bear children There they bear children, but doesn't even insinuate That they were giants, but they did become men of renown. And that's not. Today we have men and women having children, and they are great renown. How would you like to be the mother of Donald Trump? Sure. And it's not unusual. So let's not make a doctrine about something we can't understand and we can't verify. Okay? Hallelujah. All right, well, the giants died out. Ask Gordon. Gordon, hallelujah, he's a good-sized guy. I would consider him a giant. I was preaching for a guy the other day. I stood up when he raised up his arm. I couldn't even get my hair wet under his armpit. He was so tall. So he would be a giant to me. So let's not try to make a doctrine about something that's not true. Now, here it tells us that this says that those men were also Flesh. Now there is one viewpoint which I'll tell you that I do not agree with that it says well it means that God's spirit will not always strive with man so man is appointed unto death or wants to die. I do not agree with that. This was made after Adam and if you follow the references the commentaries and the other Bible references that takes it back to the man Adam and God is not referencing them back to Adam. He's talking about the time that he lives in now. And men lived far longer than 120 years in Adam's day. Go to get an amen. You've heard the saying old is Methuselah. All right. And now, so it says that these men are men of the flesh. In other words, there are times that the flesh is going to manifest and it's going to cause God to withdraw. Now, we're, just going, we're going to look at these things and when we get done with them, you'll have a Great understanding. Let's go to Galatians 5, 15. Galatians 5, 15. And we're going to start looking at things that cause God's spirit to leave man. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Next verse. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, it's possible to do so. And next verse. And then it says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. This is a battlefield. This is a ground. And it says, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Let's take note right here. Look at the strength of lust in the human life. It is strong enough that if it is in contention with the Holy Ghost, that you will end up living separated from what the Holy Ghost wants you to do. Now, you would think that the Holy Ghost could just overthrow it. He can't. He can't until your will is surrendered and takes sides against that lust. It is two against one. He won't break your will and he will not undermine the power of lust until your will resigns to fight it and side with God. You understand that? So here, just simply look at the scripture, what it says. It's real simple. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There is contention. There is war. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things which ye would. In other words, when the lust of the flesh is alive and in activity, understand that the purposes of God, the cause of God, the plans of God, the blessings of God, the promises of God, everything that you want is simply not going to come to pass. So we understand that the flesh is not your friend, it is your enemy. And if you think that it's going to someday do it one more time, let's go one more round and then free you, you're a fool. It will never free you. All it will do is promise you liberty and take you deeper into bondage. Now, let's go to the next verse. And it says, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. You are sin free. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reviling, and of such of the like, such like. Anything that is remotely reflective of that stuff, don't do. And then it says this, Of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, you'll not be able to receive the invitation and fulfill your bodily position in it. Now, that happens because of the lust of the flesh. Somebody say the lust of the flesh. Lust. All right. Let's go to Isaiah 63 and 10 through 11. We're going to be looking at these scriptures, and I'm not trying to build into you some uh, sin consciousness, you know. I, I've, sometimes people are just so petty, and, you know, oh, well, don't preach sin so much. People, your people will get sin consciousness. Oh, give me a break. Come on. Hallelujah. But they rebelled and vexed his holy Spirit. that word "vex" is a real unique word. It means that they displeased him because of their choices. It means they made him angry. Kind of like Jesus making a cord and driving the people out of the, the outer courts of the temple and said, "You have made my house a prayer, a den of thieves." He was angry, and he drove them out. Angry, indignation, whatever. It just means they were just flipping mad. That's what it means. And then it means also when he's vexed, it means that you wrestle with him. Interesting choice of words. The lust of the flesh and the spirit wrestle war one against another. That's what Israel did. It says, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned To be their enemy and he fought against them and he remembered the days of old Moses and his people saying where is he that brought them up out of the sea and the Shepherd of his flock where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him where was he he left why because they rebelled. Amen. Yeah, number one reason that that people, the Holy Ghost leads people, is rebellion, ongoing, perpetual sin activity. Amen. Do not be deceived, brethren. Listen to me. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. Amen. Now I, I know that some people. Oh man, well, what are you preaching? I'm preaching. That if people continue to live in sin, the Holy Ghost is going to leave their life. Amen. That's what I'm telling you. Now, let's go over to, uh, oh, Psalms 51 and verse 6. Remember when David cried out, oh God, don't take your spirit from me. Let's look at what he was doing before he cried that. Psalms 51 and verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Now, why would he need hyssop? Why, why would he need cleansed? David's discovered sin in his life. Wash me, and I shall be white than, whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, and that the bones that thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my brother's sin. Oh, and blot out all my iniquities. Oh, next verse. Create in me a clean spirit, O God, and renew in me. Evidently he hadn't, and he had lost it. A right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David must have been under the persuasion that it could be taken. All right, yep, hallelujah. Don't get too excited. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy 2, 19. Here's what happens when we do not deal with reoccurring sin. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ Continue in iniquity and rejoice. Depart. Do you know that is just as much of a command as go ye, just as much of a command as love your brother, just as much of a command to confess Jesus as Lord of your life. When you get saved, depart from iniquity. Amen. Amen. Next verse. But in a great house, there are though not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of the earth, some of honor and some to dishonor. And if a man therefore, 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 a man therefore it's your responsibility. Amen. Sanctify yourself. And it says, purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and met for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Next verse. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and uh, with them that call up on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men and apt to teach and patient. And in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. How do people oppose themselves? I'll tell you right here. Next verse. If God preadventure will grant them repentance. In other words, you can get yourself out of the devil's territory if you have a repentive heart. Could I get an amen? They that oppose themselves. People that indulge in like things. People that indulge in those things that we talked about. People that indulge in those things oppose themselves. It's not God hurting you. It's you opposing yourself, relinquishing dominion because of righteousness and creating a kingdom and a throne for him to lord over you because of your transgression that should not be Amen. amen all right and then it says this and will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snares of the devil who are taken captive at his will why does he have will and access to a believer's life Unrepentive sin, continual, perpetual reactivation of sin in their life. This is a problem in the body of Christ, and it's a bigger problem in your life. Amen. And then, it, now, doing these things on an ongoing uh, way without truly turning from them is simply going to enable Satan to take his lost place of dominion over your life. Can we go to Romans uh, 6, 10? Uh, we'll look, jump in at Romans six ten, And it says, For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin... Let not, don't let God keep it from you. Don't let everybody else keep it from you. You let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lusts thereof. Who has the power of sin? Let's go back to that verse right there. Let's read it again. Let not therefore, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, who is the subject? You. You. Sin doesn't have power over you. Lust doesn't have power over you. It entices you and you say, okay. That's it. Real simple. Okay. And you do it. And then it says this, that you should obey its lust thereof. Next verse. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Any unrighteousness is sin. If you do something that's not right, it's sin. It's sin, real simple. Well, I thought it was supposed to be a commandment. Well, it is. Unrighteousness, doing something unright is a sin. And then, unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Then it goes on and says, you know, sin shall not have dominion over you and, uh, or Lord in your life. So here it tells us that we need to make a choice and that sin is subject to us. Could I get an amen? amen. All right. Now, as we continue doing these sins, repetitive sins or reoccurring sins and not dealing with them, the devil is going to take authority Back over our life because we are relinquishing righteousness, which is the foundation of our rule over him in this world. Romans 5, 12 down through 19. And if you violate righteousness. Oh, well, I'm saved. Nobody can take me out of your hand. I know it. But every time you sin, you're jumping. Amen. All right. So he, he's going to take dominion over you. So there has to be true repentance, and this is nothing new. If, if you go to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and find a, a man that was encouraged and celebrated by the church in the sin he was in. Mm. Hallelujah! And it says, "It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication that not even them vehement children of the devil, murderers and liars and thieves and scorpions and serpent, do but the church does named among the Gentile that one should have his father's wife and then and ye are puffed up you're puffed up and have not rather mourned nobody should ever be in the present, it, let, let me say this to you, if you have a friend that knows you're sinning He is not a friend of God. He is a child of the devil.
1: Amen. Praise God. Amen.
0: And all he's doing is trying to blind you to keep you from the truth of the gospel. Amen. Well, what if my I I, I might say, then you tell your friend. And if he doesn't repent, you mark that brother and have no fellowship with him. Amen.
1: Praise Praise God.
0: Amen. Mm. And it says this, you are puffed up and you have not mourned. That he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. But, but don't you want to just love them? Well, if they respond to it, yes. But not if they are puffed up and still stiff-necked. Then you treat them like someone that has rejected God. For I barely am absent in the body, but I'm present in the spirit. I have judged already that though I be, were present concerning him, he that hath done this deed, and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is when we are gathered together with my spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan. Put him into the devil's hands for the destruction of the flesh. That might even mean on his deathbed he might become awakened. I repent of what I've done. But think of the rebellious spirit of this man ongoing, night after night, sleeping with his mother, having no remorse, the church encouraging it, and Paul is so irate, he says, putting into the devil's hand." I imagine that went real well at the meeting. And it says, for the destruction of the flesh, so that in the end his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens a whole lump? In other words, that sin had become contagious. It perverted every one of those people's judgments. That little leaven had already started taking over the loaf. It had already started seeping in to the kingdom just by the way that they never mourned about a man's transgression. So we know that there are going to be people that are going to continue in sin. Could I get an amen? I'm not trying to be hard. I don't want to lose people, I don't want to lose members. But, you know, if people don't understand that there is repercussions for their sins, not only in the church, but in the eyes of God, they'll never have a true repentant spirit. And so what we're going to have is people always taken by the devil and always bound by the devil. I'll tell you right now, 90% of the bondages and the problems that people have right now is because they've never, ever really got consecrated and separated from their transgressions Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm just telling you and then if uh, well let's go to a second Peter 2 19 this is just the warm-up one we, we got like five reasons why the Holy Ghost won't live and why he leaves this is just the first one don't worry this is a light one <laughs> and it says this and while they promise them liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption. I think I just said that. For all whom a man is overcome of the same, he is brought into bondage. And if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than if they had never been born again. Now, how, how bad could it get that it would be worse for you never to have known Jesus than to have known him and went right back and picked up that stuff that you once turned from? The, wor- the last state is going to be worse Than the first state. Man that's horrible. Amen. 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 Now next verse. And it hath been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Than after they had known it to turn from a holy commandment. That was delivered unto them. And it is now happened unto them according to the true proverb. The true proverb. The true proverb. The dog is returned to his vomit. And again, the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's the condition of people that do perpetual sins. Perpetual sins. Or reinstate sins that they once repented of might say well man that sounds kind of hard well it might seem kind of hard but what is heaven worth you know jesus said look judge yourself you find something in your body that's not right cut it off get rid of it nothing is more valuable than eternity Amen. yes i know it hallelujah praise god now let's go to matthew twelve forty-two. i think it is This is the same, kind of really talks to us about the same thing. Matthew 12, and let's look at verse 42, and it says, And the queen of the south rose up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And when the unclean spirit is gone out of the man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and he findeth none. Then he said, hey, I'm going to return to my house. And whence I came out of, and when he is come, he findeth it, what? Empty, Empty and garnished. What does that mean? Redecorated as if the spirit had never left. That's what it means. It means invitation signs by lifestyle. Come back and if it's saying come back guess what he's saying to God go away all right next verse and he goeth and he taketh with him seven others isn't that worse than the first state takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and they dwell there and the last state of the man is worse than the Wow even so it shall be with, be also into this wicked generation. Now, the first thing or the first reason that we as Christians have the Holy Ghost leave our lives is because these perpetual sins. Oh, but I still feel the Holy Ghost. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm not going to get into the soul being able to mimic the voice of God, and even yourself being able to mimic the presence. You say, oh, that can't happen. Really? The angel, the devil himself can turn himself into an angel of light. Don't even doubt what your human body and soul can do to appease yourself. How do you think people molest kids? Something said it's okay. Something said it's all right. Something made it enticing. How can you take another human being's life for a dollar in a dark alley? Yeah. Somebody said, It's yours. You're do it. They don't deserve it. You ought to have it. All these voices sure convinced them that they were right. Absolutely. Well, the same voices that do that are the same voices that govern people remember a man called Samson a Nazarite raised up to be a judge in Israel born of an old woman an old man and the old man probably said oh, there, there ain't no way you're just too old now nah, I know we come on sweetheart we can't have no babies she said well I'm telling you an angel of God came to me he said well I'll tell you what I'm gonna have to meet this angel sure enough he met the angel and he said oh my god this is God we're gonna have us a baby he offered up the sacrifice and the sacrifice burning the angel danced up in the smoke and went back into heaven. Well, that Samson was a judge of Israel. And guess what? He, from the get-go, in Judges 14, 1, he said, I want a woman out of the Gentiles. Father and mother said, don't do that. There, there's people in the Israel. We aren't supposed to ma- marry outside of our home. We'll end up worshiping their God. I want that woman. Get me. And then it goes on down. Then you get over into Uh, I think it's Judges 16. And pretty soon, five times Delilah knocks on his door. And he knows she's a whore. Says he found a prostitute, a whore. Now, what kind of man of God goes into a Gentile whore? Well, Samson did. She says, oh, Samson, tell me your strength. Oh, well, if you just tied me up, you know, with wet weeds, I'd I just lose all my strength. Boy, he broke him. They, she said, the Philistines are on you. He broke him and just knocked them guys crazy. She does it five times. Now, that's not the sad story because it's just repetitive sin. And let's face it. We ought to be used to it. Leaders in the church do it all the time. I'm getting divorced. I fell into sin. I had, a, had an extramarital affair. You know, whatever kind of bloomy words they used. And the church says, oh, well, we understand. They turned right back on their television instead of writing them and saying, you know what? I refuse to watch with you having such men and women of rebellion on your station. I'm not going to watch them anymore. We just continue to watch. We continue to give all in the name of Jesus. Jesus wouldn't watch half the programs that on Christian TV we watch. Because half of the people doing those programs aren't even his people. Amen. Oh, well the, well, the boy, how do you know? Well, listen, you'll disobey the word. You just don't belong to God. Amen. Now, that's why I know. I'm not a rocket scientist. I just know. You, are, you say you're an apple tree. You're, you know, you got watermelons hanging from your limbs. There's something wrong with you. Yep. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the truth. And, uh, But if we don't deal with this perpetual sin, Samson rose up the fifth time and went out, and guess what? He didn't even know that the Spirit of God had left. Why? Because the Spirit of God kept withdrawing time after time after time, and Samson didn't even know the difference. I wonder that churches used to have moves of God and they don't have them anymore. Don't they wonder why? Or churches that read what happened in the Bible and they don't have what happened in the Bible, don't you wonder why they say, why? I, I would, I mean, I would think, I want to know why God's not showing up in my church. I would want to know that. Wouldn't you? Yes. Let me tell you why. I coined this phrase a while back. Confident repentance. Here's how we are taught in the church to deal with sin. I'm sorry, God, I repent of it. But we go right back to it. That's not repentance at all. The Bible says, can I have 2 Corinthians uh, 7.10 on the screen? 2 Corinthians 7.10 There are two types of sorrow and the dominant one in the church today is worldly sorrow. It says this, For godly sorrow worketh the repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh what? Death. Death. Notice, one produces salvation, the other enforces the wages of sin on the perpetrator. That doesn't happen a hundred years from now. It doesn't happen when your grave opens up and you come on about it. It happens when you deal with perpetual sin in a worldly sorrow way. Here's what we tell people. Well, you know, Pastor, I, I, I did this, praise, praise God. I, I just wanted to come and tell you and, uh, you know, praise the Lord. And I've repented of it. And I said, okay, good. Two weeks later, back in my office. Pastor, just wanted, you know, I, I got that back in. It. Okay, all right, praise God. Okay, I, I've, I praise God. I'm, I'm forgiven. Okay, okay, good, okay. Third week, I come back and, Pastor, I just, there is something wrong in the human spirit of a believer that can live perpetually in sin, repent of it and return to it time after time after time. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you how to get rid of repetitive sin. But this stuff is saying God hey, praise the Lord. I, God, you said that if I confess my sin, you're just and forgive me of my sin to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah, praise God. I'm forgiven. Well, that's fine. Go, and I want you to stand in faith, and I want you to praise God, confess that, refuse condemnation. But if you're going back to it, that confession doesn't mean a hill of beans. Amen. Because you have never truly repented. Amen. Now, How many of you know people that got saved and legitimately got broken free of drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, if you want to call them sin, uh, fornication, all that kind of... They got saved, and guess what? When they repented of their sin, this stuff just broke off of them. You know people like that? And 90% of the stuff they broke off of has never returned. But other things have returned. And they have said, I'm sorry. They confess the scripture, God, you're faithful to forgive me and all that. But they haven't repented of it because they have never changed their way of thinking about what's happening. And they're just like those people in 1 Corinthians 15, the fifth chapter they have no remorse. Amen. How do we get... Now, can I have that scripture back up on there? 2 Corinthians 7.10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance. Anybody know what's involved in godly sorrow? Conviction. Conviction that pierces the heart of man, that if you they don't respond to that conviction, they end up gnashing up on the people and stoning those that have brought the message. That's convicting power. When we have lost the fear of God, and that it does not scare us, that we have transgressed once again. There's something wrong with the human heart.
1: Absolutely, amen.
0: Now, how do we get the convicting power of sin back into our life? Well, I'm going to take you on a little journey. Huh. Hallelujah! Praise God! A little journey. Let's go to Galatians three twenty-one. And I will say this, that it's not just the individual's fault. And I say that not to put blame on everybody, but to put blame upon most Christians. When we appease sin and do not, Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2, rebuke, chastise, and instruct with all longsuffering and give them instruction and reprove them, we become guilty of strengthening sin's acceptance in their life. Yep. I remember one time I went to a church and and, uh, I was uh, there and uh, my uh, pastor's wife was there and my pastor. I said, man, what are you doing here? She said, God showed me in a dream what you're going to do here tonight. I said, what? She said, oh, yeah, he showed me in a dream. I just come to watch the show. I said, what? She said, oh, yeah. And I said, uh, you know what I'm going to do? She said, I know God told you to deal with the elders of this church. And I said, well, why don't, why don't you just go ahead and do it? You know, they, they, they honor you. They, they respect you. She said, absolutely not. I ain't doing it. I'm going to watch the show. So, sure enough, they're introducing things. They said, hey, Brother Dosac, come up and greet the people. I thought, oh, Jesus. I walked by her. She said, the show goes on. (laughs) And I get up there, and I said, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, I just, "Could could all the elders stand up? And I said, all of you have been flirting around the verge of fornication. And God's calling you to repentance right now. Put the microphone down, went back to my seat, and she said, Yep, that was the dream. (laughs) Man, I got up that night to leave that building. Somebody came in and said, All the elders are out there outside waiting for you, Pastor Dosek. I said, Who, me? I don't want to talk to them. She said, That guy said, well, I don't think they want to talk. I looked at Brother Thomas and said, Brother Thomas, what do you think I do? He said, if I was you, I'd wait them out. It's cold out there. (laughs) I waited them out. Finally, they went home. Man, it was late that night. Hallelujah. I got home, and oh, gee, man, I'm thinking, man, they'll catch me at Walmart or something. You know, God, I tell you what, if they do, you want to to turn your head, and I'm just going to have to be unsaved for about as long as it takes. I said, I'm going to let him use one cheek, but i tell you what, I am not going to let him scoot me all down the road and up and down the pole. I said, i tell you what, I've got to defend myself. And uh, so the next day, I heard this knock on my door. Went to the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> the elders are there. I'm thinking, oh, my word. They got heavy coats on. They're gonna wake me out. They're gonna smoke me out of this house. (laughs) And I just thought to myself, you know what? Praise God. Worst comes to worst, I'll fight with everything in my life, and I, buddy, I bless God. At least I'll, I'll draw blood, and uh, cry salvation. And uh, I opened the door. Those men came in. They all got in there, and I said, I sat down. I said, "Oh, guys, what can I do for you?" I probably did say it like that.
1: Hi, guys. What can I do for you?
0: And I said, what can I do for you? They said, you know what? We've been talking, and you were absolutely right. We've come over here, and in fact, they brought me a brand new Bible. I still have that Bible in my office with a blue cover on it. It's an open Bible with a sword on the front of it. I still have it in my uh, cabinet upstairs. They said we were wrong we come to repent and to thank you for rebuking us. So I, now by that time, I just couldn't wait for him to get out of there. I still didn't trust him. And, uh, but you know what? They went on. They got it right. And uh, not, not much, probably nine months ago, I had lunch with some of them at a table at a restaurant. They asked me to talk to them about miracles and things of that nature. Now, but if, when we don't do that, Sin will still stay hidden, and we will all be guilty of our brother's blood. I'm telling you, it's a horrible place to be to know that a man the Bible says, if you see your brother's sin a sin, you go to him. Doesn't it say you stick your head in the sand and just endure it. You go to him. All right? Where are we at now? On Galatians 321, it says this. Is the law then against the promises of God? Absolutely, God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could give life, where is life? Godly sorrow produces life or repentance. And it says, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been given by the law. But the scripture hath concluded, all under sin, that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given unto every one of them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith but after that faith is come we are no longer under a schoolmaster for we are the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ now what was the law the law was added remember in Romans the fifth chapter verse 12 on down it says that sin dominated all mankind that even though had not sin like Adam had but The law came, before the law came, then the law came to reveal what? Sin. Somebody say sin. Sin. That's what the law is for. Now go to 1 John 3, 4. That's what the law is for. The law is to establish what sin is. And when it establishes what sin is, it pierces, pricks, and convicts the human heart. It says, who committeth sin transgresseth grace. The what? Well, I thought we weren't under the law. Who told you that? They lied to you. You are absolutely under the law, but you fulfill the law by faith. But once you get out of faith, what do you get into? The flesh. See, you don't sin because you believe in God. You don't sin because the Bible said not to do it. That's faith. No, I, I thought that's just do's and don'ts. No, that's faith. Amen. Duh, it's faith. Now, here it says the law is, is commit a sin. He that committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For, the, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, how do we? re or how do we give birth again to conviction? If I had an ongoing sin, perpetual, I would not go to my pastor for prayer. If you've done it three or four times, there's a heart condition. I can't pray you a new heart. David cried out, God created me a right spirit. But he asked him, cleanse me from these sins that have created this unright spirit. And then he says these dreaded words, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. What is a life without the Holy Ghost? Now, so if I was committing perpetual ongoing sins, anything that was around its borders, I would go to the Scriptures and I would look at those Scriptures until it convicted and broke me Hallelujah. Yes. Jesus said if I had not come what was Jesus the word made flesh yes. you would not have had sin amen. but now that I've come your sin remains you must deal with it amen. Praise God. could I get an amen? amen yeah so the law reveals sin well, well what if I just read it oh I shouldn't do that no that, that doesn't bring sin Doesn't bring sin. The law brings conviction. And so since we just go through life, oh God, I'm sorry. I repent. Hallelujah, God. There's no godly sorrow in that. You're doing it from the way that you're walking on the street, getting in your car. You're real dedicated and focused. Intense are you. You aren't no more interested in getting it out of your sin. You're just trying to appease a God that could be angry. Oh, you're talking like old-time Baptists or Pentecost. Absolutely right. Tell you what, put that in your charismatic feather and smoke it down. It won't even get you high. I'm telling you something. Christians don't even know how to keep sin out of their life because we cover it up with everything else. And I'm telling you, the church is in great Distress and jeopardy of having God disconnect Himself from people that are lukewarm. Amen. Now we have got to get to the place that sin bothers us. Amen. Not entertains us, bothers us. Amen. And so we go to the law. Because if this law does not break us, David, we are going to end up faithless. Now, let me tell you why lots of Christians doing all the right stuff and nothing happening. Perpetual sin has never really been repented of. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 20, 19 through 23, cleanse your conscience, cleanse yourself from an evil conscience so that your faith will be bold. Your faith does not work with a conscience that has been hardened or appeased by you. It will not do it. It, it It just won't do it. Go, go to Hebrews the 10th chapter Hebrews 10:19. And so we have to be to the place that we have to fall on the rock instead of the rock falling on us. You ever wonder why so many people are praying, "Oh God, heal our land, we repent of our sins. and ain't no healing going on." I really hate to tell you, I don't think half the people even know what repentance is. It's a transforming of your human mind. To view sin as the way that God views it. And to view righteousness at the cost, it, the price it costs for you to obtain it. There are valuable things in our life. Righteousness is one of them. And unrighteousness is not. Amen. Eternity is a value. Hell is not. Righteousness, holiness, and purity is a value. Sin is is not pleasing God is a value pleasing yourself is not Amen. and next Sunday we're having a rummage sale and a turkey <laughs> fry that that sound like Baptist now hallelujah Hebrews 10 19 says this, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holies of holies by the blood of Jesus and by a new living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having an high priest in the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. I wonder where samson let his conscience go where faith stopped working and the holy ghost departed i wonder when or if he ever recognized it you know there's no place that he repented of his sin it just says that he prayed that God would give him strength, and he killed twice as many Philistines in his death. He never said he repented. Wouldn't that be a horrible death? Never repented. Listen, th- this, is, this is God's stuff. You say, oh, man, this is just a... No, well, I don't know what to tell you. You, you. you have to either be in or be out. You can't be lukewarm. God's just not going to put up with it. You know, who wants to end up in a pile of vomit? Jesus vomit. You know. He's probably going to vomit right over the side of heaven's rail. Them poor people down in hell are going to get blasted. Watch out. Here comes holy vomit. They'll say, no, there ain't nothing holy in it. It's an unholy people coming down to meet us. Wow. Let's not do that. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So... We need to make sure that we are convicted. Folks, when when we can transgress and not even have the Holy Ghost speak to us while we're doing it, there is something wrong. The Bible says, I think it's First Peter, no, no. First Timothy four one and two, they have a seared conscience. In other words, it's a conscience that has been touched with a hot iron and there is no nerve or responsive function left in it. In other words, you can do stuff and it doesn't even bother you. It reminds me of Romans, the first chapter, where they knew and held righteousness, but did unrighteousness, thinking that they were right if, if I one of the road signs of this is if you do something and it doesn't affect you find the place of repentance you go to the scripture and say why did I do this well I don't have time to do that <laughs> you better do your homework if you're going to heaven amen, amen. amen. and the good buddy do your homework now we have to Find out why things don't bother us, David. Sure. Do I have a God? What state am I in? That sin doesn't bother me. I don't care what Christians do. I just want blessed. I just want this. There's something wrong when we're not our brother's keeper. We have to be careful. We are living in a world that gets a godless mindset. And we can't have a godless mindset. We need to have a mindset that is going to convict us. Could I get an amen? And help us and bring us to a true repentance. And so, another thing that if I was doing these things and they were catching me up, I would fast. And I wouldn't just say, I'm going to fast three days, God, hallelujah. No. The Bible says that there are things that fast does, Isaiah 58 and verse 6. Break the bands of wickedness. If you are bound by a band of wickedness that you can't get free of, then you start fasting. You start fasting until you have humbled and afflicted your soul enough that your soul is broken before God. Don't risk that you could just, well, you know, oh, praise God, I just accept forgiveness. I understand all that. Listen, I'm not telling you that you can't repent, stand, use your faith, and refuse and reject and cast off condemnation. But if you are keep doing it, I want to know why aren't you pierced deep enough to deal with it? Absolutely. Something is desperately wrong. Listen, our hearts are above all things most deceptive or most, uh, yeah, deceptive. In other words, they'll deceive you, it'll appease you. But listen, folks, I'm telling you, we get one chance in life. You don't get reincarnated, you don't get to come back as bugs, you don't get to come back as a cow. This is it. We're at the top of transformation change right here. But if we we have come from bugs, this is as high as you get. And if you don't make it to heaven this time, they just recycle you through fire. Now, Now, listen, we don't believe in reincarnation. We don't believe in none of that stuff. I'm telling you, once you get to hell, there is no escape. There's a million roads that lead into it. Only one road out of it. That's Jesus Christ. So we have got to come to the point that we have got to get serious. I wouldn't worry about anything, Philip, if if I did not feel sorry for my sins or if I committed one and it did not bother me. I think the worst word I have. No, I have to say, I have to tell you the truth. I have said two dirty words in, in my life since I got saved. One time Phyllis got me so mad I was young and I said, what's that word that starts with D and ends with M? You know what it is? I said it. I said, "Blank it, Phyllis! She said, oh, my God. I thought, oh, my God. Next time, kill fellas, don't cuss. It broke my heart. Then the other time, Lincoln was acting up on me on a golf course, and I used the word B-U-T. I said, I'll tell you what, you act like somebody. Put a stick up your B-U-T-T. Is that how you spell it? Okay, B-U-T-T. said, every time somebody says something, you act like it. You get a stick up your. Then I did that on Saturday, Sunday morning. I had to call a family conference and repent to all of them. And tell them I, did, I didn't even have enough guts to come to the pulpit and preach because they used the word B-U-T-T and hadn't repented before my family. That's the only words that I know that I've ever said. Now, I didn't say I didn't curse people. I, I, you know, but I, and when I say curse, I don't mean I cursed them. I mean, I just said. Boy, they were passing out brains. Where was that guy in the line, Jesus? You, you know, that wasn't the right thing to say. And, but you know what? I want my heart to be pierced. Amen. I don't want to wait a week or three. I don't want to have to hear a message. I don't, I don't want to have to be in a service. I want God to say, son, that was wrong. You know how I correct my grandkids most of the time? You know what? That is not what I expect from you. And you can bring them to tears. You can bring them to tears. The greatest thing, when you love somebody, you know what? Your words and your disappointments in them mean more than a stick or a rod. And I'm not against both of them. Nikki uses them all the time. But when the father speaks to me, son, why did you do that? I want my heart to be broken. I want to respond and say, God, I don't know what got in me. He'll say, I do the devil. (laughs) But I want to be able to repent and not go back to that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll take this up next week. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we're talking about when does the Holy Ghost leave? Don't let your heart get hard. Because if he leaves, you may not even know he's gone. May not even know he's gone. So let's stay sensitive. Let's ask God, God, help me today, lead me today, guide me today, make me sensitive, God. Let me hear your voice. Holy Ghost, remind me, convict me, tell me when I'm doing wrong, that I can please you and not vex you. Let's get down to the point that we really want God in our life. Amen. And I know you do. And I, I say that, but I, you know what I mean, that we just want everything that God I wonder what God would do through a holy people. With holiness, men shall see God. Without it, we will never behold Him. But how about if we live the standards that God set for us and we did it by the power of the Holy Ghost? I wonder what the church would be like. You couldn't contain it. You couldn't define it. You couldn't hold it back. You couldn't shut it down. You couldn't do any of those things because God would be here. He wouldn't be withdrawing. He would be descending, filling us and touching us, molding us and transforming us. That's what we want. Folks, if you're struggling with repetitive sin, please do. Do. God is faithful. That word. Will divide asunder the soul and spirit, the joint and the marrow. It'll divide divide spirit and flesh. It will show you, it will convict you and pierce you to the very core of the marrow of your bone. Let's let God just have reign in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's just stand our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God. I know you're already helping us. And God, I know each and every one of us, we want to hear God. That which will just bring us to be more Christ-like. More Christ-like. God, Jesus received the rewards and learn the rewards of obedience to the things that he walked through as your son. God, let us not surrender our faith. Let us contend for it. And God, let us keep ourselves in the love of God and in the power of the Holy Ghost. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Go with us, God. Do what needs to be done. Make us, make us people of tenderheartedness towards you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.